0: We're going to talk about the future in just a minute. uh, But before we do, I want to welcome you to week two of our series, Lead Like Jesus. If you're just joining us online or in the room, we're super glad that you're here. And we're talking about how to lead others because all of us are leaders. To which some of you may say, Well, I don't really see myself as a leader. The truth is, you may not be the leader. Okay, there's the the leader, the CEO, the supervisor, the coach, you know, the, the team leader, whatever it may be. You may not be the leader, okay, but you are a leader, okay? Everybody is a leader because if you have the, the power through your words or your actions to influence someone else's decisions or behavior, then you have effectively led them down whatever that path was. It could be super simple or it could be super complicated. It doesn't really matter. But if you're able to influence others and others choose to behave differently because of that, then you are a leader. And so I hope from this point forward in the message, you will acknowledge whether you like it or not, that you are a leader. You may not be a good one. I don't know. You may be a great one. I don't know. But you are a leader. And why we're talking about leadership is because when you have that influence, you have that power, you have that authority over other people, You need to take responsibility for that. Or in the infamous words in the first Spider movie of Uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility. Also, Jesus kind of said something like that too. But it's, you know, Spider-Man, okay? And Jesus together. Okay. Great power comes great responsibility. And so I want you all to be wise in how you lead other people because we have all been on the receiving end. It's, it's one thing to kind of consider ourselves a leader or consider whether or not we're a good leader, but we have all certainly been on the receiving end of bad leadership, right? Or when someone like abuses their power and in so doing hurts us or harms us or makes it difficult for us to move forward. We've all been in situations like that. And so we recognize when someone doesn't make good decisions, how that can impact other people. The other side is also true, right? We've all experienced at one point or another great leadership. Again, not necessarily from someone that has a title, but from someone that inspired us to strive for greatness or betterness. We're drawn and inspired by someone, Right, it could be a grandparent. It could be an extended family member. It could be a teacher. Right, somebody who has influenced you and inspired you, and therefore changed your behavior for the better. That's good leadership, and we're drawn to that because it makes life better. And so that's why collectively I'm saying, and we're helping you to lead better through this series because it just makes life better and makes you better at life. And so influence and use your power, use your leadership well. And one of the ways we can do that and one of the ways we're going to spend the rest of the day talking about is understanding the relationship between leadership and the future. Understanding the relationship between leadership and the future and the future, because there is a, a very powerful correlation. In fact, some of the best leaders that have ever lived understand this relationship. They understand a core principle in this relationship between being a leader, influencing others, and the future. Now, the most common Experience we have in our day-to-day lives in relationship to this principle of, of life, um, we don't think of it in terms of relation, or in terms of leadership. We think of this principle in terms of commercials and marketing. This is where it comes up. Um, it, it's kind of like the uh, the funny video that we just played, right? You know, wouldn't life be better if you had one device that could take notes for you, you could edit documents? You wouldn't have to print it off and make changes like that. You could just draw right on the document. Wouldn't it be great if you could play games that you wanted to play on a single device? You could read books on the single device. You could listen to music on the single device. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? And of course, we all sit in there like, well, yeah, it's an incredible thing. But back in the day, it was an incredible thing when it first came out. And it's pretty incredible. Really, still today, we just don't think about it as incredibly but that's the power of what that tablet was. And so what did the marketing people hit, hit us with? What did Apple hit us with at the beginning is we're gonna revolutionize your phone. We're gonna revolutionize uh, your, how you interact with paper. Not when you go to the bathroom, but in other ways, we will you know, revolutionize how you use paper. And it changed the world, didn't it? And they inspire us to buy their product because of what that future us could be. A really famous commercial, um, made popular like, I don't know, eight, ten years ago or something, um, was directed at men. And it was the image of a good-looking, half-dressed man that smelled really good riding a white horse. Does anybody remember what that commercial was for? Yeah, there you go. That could be you, men, on a white horse. And of course, the image in your mind is, you know, your lady friend or friends or whatever are looking at you up there on the white horse like, that's my man. And you're like, that's, that's me, you know, and it makes you feel good. And so they cast that vision of the future of what you could be like if you buy Old Spice. Or, this is a really infamous one as well, if you buy this bed, you can jump on it and not tip over a glass of wine. Because isn't this how we all use our bed? right? I mean, this is just the kind of the silliest of illustrations. Um, I know I don't wake up when someone else moves. I, it, you know, if the bed could solve snoring, then I think there could be some really intrinsic value, but, you know, knocking over a glass of wine or not, I, I don't know if there's a ton of value in that, but yet a lot of people remember this, and therefore a lot of people bought into this idea because this could be my future. I could be jumping on my bed and not tip over a glass of wine. It's incredible, and so they bought the product. That's how we're used to interacting with this truth. But this truth has also been adopted by some of the greatest leaders, including Jesus, and they use it all the time because they know the power of it. And they know and they use it not to take your money, but to make your life better. And the principle is this a possible future inspires present decisions. If you buy this, or excuse me, you could experience life like this if you buy this. If you want to drive in safety, you'll buy this car. If you want to save on gas, you'll get a Tesla or whatever it is. And so they inspire you to make a decision based on a possible future. Some great moments in human history. We're going to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. And what did people do? They're like, yes, we want difficult. (laughs) And we went to the moon, right? Martin Luther King. There could be legal equality for African-Americans peacefully. And what did people do? They followed and they accomplished that. And what did Jesus do? Jesus came along and said, you could have life to the fullest. You could experience full forgiveness if you follow me. And billions of people have followed him. And so what a wise leader does, if they understand this principle, is they share that future. They share that vision of the future, and they invite people to join in. They invite people to join in. When I was in high school, I was a a swimmer, and uh, that was my sport. A lot of people asked if I did basketball because I was tall, um, and I did not fit that stereotype, uh, but I could swim. And so I I was an okay swimmer. Uh, for half my time in high school. And then one day, and I don't know why, I never actually asked, uh, but my, I was up for kind of an event that I wasn't swimming so much at the time. If you know swimming, it was a hundred yard freestyle. So it was down and back, down and back, okay? And um, I, I was on my way up and my coach pulled me aside and he said, do you wanna win? No, I don't want to win. No, I'm just kidding. Like, yeah, I I would like to win, yes. And so he said to me, then you need to swim this race like a 50. In other words, you need to swim it like it's half the distance. I'm like, okay, if that'll get me to win, I'll give it a shot. I wanted that future. And so I made a present decision to act on that because of what the future could hold. And I won. And it changed the rest of my time and swimming career to the point at which I could have chose not to, but go on to swim at a collegiate level. And I was like, "It's four years is long enough to be staring at the bottom of a pool for hours on and uh, I don't want to do it in, in college. But it was a game-changing moment for me. Why? Because that future possibility inspired me to do something different. And if you learn this principle... And how to use it, you have the potential too to change friendships, to change how your employees look at their work. You change. You can change how you parent because of the power in this principle. If you actually look at how Jesus taught, um, and you read any of the four accounts of Jesus's life—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—we're going to be in Mark today. But Jesus, about half the time he spoke, he spoke in terms of future. If you do, or if if you want this, then this is what you need to do. This is my promise to you. This is what's coming. This is what's going to happen. And I'm just telling you, you could be a part of that. Did people? Well, some did. Some doubted. And what was really interesting is Jesus knew how this was going to pan out. And so he opened his ministry, according to Mark, with this principle. And he laid it out in what's called a parable. And a parable is a story that um, oftentimes has many points and many layers to it. Um, and it's a story, and he used stories because it got people emotionally involved in it versus just saying, hey, here's the principles, wise leaders share the future and invite people to join in. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's cool, but it's not that inspiring. And so he'd use stories to get you really in your heart involved in that moment okay a good way to think about a parable is it's almost like a symbol for something greater an example in American culture is the United States national bird which is a an eagle yeah a bald eagle and you look at a bald eagle and what do you feel when you look at that okay one person is deathly afraid yeah and guess what? Is that not a quality that sometimes the United States likes to push around? Absolutely. Is it majestic? Yes. Is it free? Oh, it's free. Is it dangerous? Yes. Is it a bit inspiring to watch in awe of? Absolutely. And so it as a symbol embodies emotion and feeling and everything that we want to be associated with as a country. And that was the, the whole point of a parable, is to elicit that same kind of idea, um, but in terms of something uh, that Jesus, or a point that Jesus wanted to make. And in this case, it was this idea of what the future could hold, okay? And so, um, uh, so anyways, so Jesus, uh, in, at the very beginning of the ministry, Mark chapter four is where we're gonna be today. Uh, and he's gonna tell us what the future could be like, okay? And he said, the future could be like as if I was a farmer, he said, Listen, he said, a farmer, which essentially is him, went out to sow his seeds into the field. Okay, And what is a seed? A seed is something that is tiny, but can become something greater. A seed is life in a tiny little package. But it's something that can give life not only to itself as it grows, but it can give life as it produces fruit. And it'll give life to other people and other plants. I mean, it it can do incredible things all packaged in this tiny little seed. And so Jesus says, I'm going to go out. My purpose here on earth is to go out and spread this seed, these little bits of truth, these little bits of grace, these little bits of life, and help transform all of you over the next few years of my ministry. And if you let this seed take root, it will transform your heart. You will experience forgiveness. I promise you that you will experience peace and purpose. It will be challenging, but a good challenging, a challenging that you want to overcome and grow. It'll build character in you if you listen. If your hearts and your minds, not just hear, like let it go in one ear and out the other, but process it, internalize it, trust it, and follow it. And if you do, these little seeds will take root and grow and grow and produce, and not just a little bit, he said. He said, if you follow me, this is the future he wants to cast. These little seeds, if, fall, if they fall on good soil, will come up, and it'll grow, and it'll produce, not just a crop, but a crop that multiplies 30, 60, and sometimes 100 times over. In today's terms, you can think of crops sometimes in terms of money. Jesus is saying, you're going to become a millionaire. Wouldn't that be nice? How many of you would like to become a millionaire? Okay. Be nice, right? It'd be nice to become a millionaire. How would you feel? Think about this. How would you feel if you got home after church today and on your counter was a check that you could cash, it wasn't going to bounce, for a million dollars? How would that make you feel if you got home and saw that? I'm going to go to church more often. That's what you'd think. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what you'd think. You'd be like, "Wow, this is great. This is going to change my life, right? This is going to relieve some pressure on me. Maybe financial pressure. Maybe uh, in your future, how you're looking in the future, some of your goals is going to take some of the pressure off. You're probably going to worry less. You're going to be more confident. You're probably going to walk around with a little bit of a swagger for a while because you just you feel good. You're a millionaire at least until you spend a dollar and now you're. 900,099, you know, I mean, you know, but you feel good about it. It's It's gonna make life better. It could change your life, right? And Jesus says, that same feeling is what's possible if you trust me. If you trust me. And you let what I'm gonna teach you sink into your heart. If you hear what I have to say. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That could be your future. Do you want that to be your future? Sounds pretty good. If you don't just listen, if you trust, you're gonna experience a life that feels like you're a bit like a millionaire without the bank balance of a millionaire, but you're gonna feel it in here. and it's And it's a worth and it's a confidence and it's a peace that doesn't just fade away as you spend it. It keeps growing and producing and growing and producing forever. And that's more than a million dollars could even do. That's his promise of the future. And whether you're a Christian or not, I gotta think part of that sounds decent. If that's possible, if you can have that kind of a peace, if that kind of confidence and courage and strength, that sounds good, worth pursuing. But... But, Jesus says, some of you won't. Some of you won't do it. Some of you won't listen. Uh, he said in uh, chapter four, verse four, I'm just gonna read uh, most of this to you so you can picture it in your mind. It says, As, uh, listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. In other words, some of the seed, if we look at a picture of a field, okay, and a road, okay, some of the seed is going to, because they're throwing it out, is going to fall on the road. And it's not going to grow. Instead, some other birds are going to come along and eat it up. Because, Jesus's point is, some of y'all are a little rocky, crusty, and hard. Like, come on, you're a little stubborn, right? A little thick-headed. You've wondered at it sometimes, and some people have told you it sometimes, that's you. And as much seed as Jesus could throw at you, you're not gonna take it. You're not gonna let it sink in because, and you tell yourself this, um, you kind of know better. You know better. You shut down new ideas that you don't feel comfortable with and you keep life from taking root inside of you or a new vision of the future to take root inside of you. And so therefore, opportunities like this pass you by and get eaten up by others because someone's going to come along and benefit from the opportunities that you're missing. In a church application or a Christian application, this is kind of like saying, I'm a, I'm a person of faith. I'm following Jesus. But you, know, you kind of go to church and you really don't apply anything that's taught. You read the Bible, but you don't actually do what he says. You kind of just do what you want to do when you want to do it with whom you want to do it with. You look at what everybody else is doing and you let that pressure you into how you approach life, not what Jesus says you should do. Your heart is hard. You are the soil and you are a path. And unfortunately, people are just gonna walk on by because nothing's gonna grow from you. And Jesus says, that, that's, that's really too bad. And trust me when I say, I, Taylor, have been there and I've done that. I wasn't humble. Instead, I was angry and judgmental. And I didn't want to hear anything about faith or Jesus or, or truth like that. And the bummer of it is, is if you look at this picture, you're not that far away from fertile soil. You're right there on the edge. But your anger and your judgment and your bitterness... You, you, you call it different names. You know, you call it like righteous anger or whatever it is. But you kind of think you're better than everybody else. You're a little too stubborn and you don't want to move anywhere else. And Jesus says that nothing will grow. Nothing will grow. Or, he goes on to say, some of the seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. In other words, some of it fell along the side of the road this rocky side that all the rocks and the grime and all that gets pushed to the side, okay? And what happens on the side of a gravel road? Well, do some plants sprout up? Absolutely, there's enough there for the plant to grow. But when a drought comes, when the sun comes up, is what he says, is what Jesus said, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And honestly, to me, this is one of the most dangerous um, Positions of our heart to take um, because we uh, avoid letting things go deep. So it looks like on the surface, everything's good because there's occasionally some, some plants that sprout up, but we hold most of them at arm's leg di- distance, okay? But they don't last. You know, we may get into it or we may get back to church for a few months, but then we get distracted and, and something comes up and we tell ourselves a million different reasons, but then we just get totally off course, Or maybe there's some opportunities in life. Your boss gave you an opportunity or something. You were gung-ho for a couple weeks and then it just kind of withers away. Or you really were gonna change life, get back in the gym. You're gonna take care of these things. You're gonna better your life, get to see a counselor, whatever it may be. And you did it for a second or you made the phone call, but nothing really came from it. It sprouted, but it withered under the pressures and the sun of life. Or some of you are grass is always greener kind of people. Grass is always greener on the other side. So you see that new opportunity and it's shiny and it's cool. And you want it and you go after it. But is the grass always greener on the other side? Well, I suppose it kind of depends on what soil it's planted in. Because some of it may not be very deep and it may be good for a short while, but you're wishing you had never left where you originally came from. You jump to that future version that seems better but it's not actually better for you. Some of the seed, Jesus goes on to say, fell among thorns, which grew up, choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. In other words, so it grew up and it was enough to live, but not enough to produce, not enough to really grow, Someone like this may be someone who has a lot of commitments going on in life, a lot of priorities, or maybe has their priorities mixed up. And these priorities, or these commitments, or maybe the work or the relationships that individuals like this have, are really the thorns in their lives that keep them from growing beyond where they are. It stifles the growth. It leeches life from people like this. It's not life-giving, it's life-taking. Even if you want to listen to Jesus, you can't because you're too busy, because you're giving your excuses, and at the heart of it, you're being choked, and it's difficult to see that and recognize it because it's slow, right? Plants don't grow instantly overnight. It takes time, but slowly and surely, it leeches the life out of you, and you're not reaching your potential, But, Jesus says, others, good soil, hear the word. They hear what I have to tell them. They hear what I teach them. They let it sink in and accept it. And those people are the ones that produce a crop. Some 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Some of them become millionaires in here and in here because they chose to follow. And that could be your future too if you, for some of you, choose to explore faith. If we are humble in our hearts, soften our hearts and our minds to hear what Jesus has to say. Because ultimately, I mean, come on, think about it. What's it gonna hurt? Like to actually listen to Jesus. What's it going to hurt? You're in control. It's always your choice. So what's it gonna hurt to give up those parts? And some of you are not, completely in one bucket and completely in other buckets. You're like, a little bit of my heart is like rock and a little bit of my heart is soft ground, um, but you're not willing to give up the rocky part. And so nothing can grow there. And so it's a bit more complicated. And Jesus says, I want all of it to be producing the maximum amount. And that could be something that you experience if you listen, if you trust. What was Jesus doing in this parable? This principle. He was being a wise leader and he shared with all of his people the future. And he invited those people to join in. He invites you all to join in because that's what wise leaders do. And it helps you to see the future that could be. And it may not be instant, it may not be instantaneous for you personally or when you share that vision of what could be to others, you could share that vision and some of it could fall on the harder ground. Some of it could fall into the weedier ground. But eventually, Jesus promises that it will fall on open hearts and transformation will happen. Because think about this, what if you did this with your kids? What if you did this with people that you love? And you shared a vision of what could be for them. You know, what, what, if, what if you could get better grades? What would happen? How would you feel about yourself, son or daughter of mine, if you got all Bs? Would you feel better about yourself? Well, of course I'd feel better about myself. But mom, you know, I got this, I got this. Yeah, no, no, let's just, let's just imagine this future for a second. Child whom I love. Imagine for a second husband or wife that I love. Imagine... If you found a new career or you applied for a new position or you went back to school, what would that change? Would, would something new be produced that wasn't being produced before? What, what if you asked in a kinder way? Do you think you'd get more results consistently better? Like, Do you think people would respond kindly back if you started in a kind way? What if you did your own laundry? <laughs> I don't know. Would you lose your clothes so often? Would they always be dirty? Just asking. And, don't, and you don't back down from that. You don't compromise the future of that. I mean, just yesterday, we were driving along, and uh, one of my wonderful children really wanted food, and they really wanted McDonald's, and they were not asking in a kind way. And I said, pure and simple, we'll absolutely go to McDonald's. You can have McDonald's. Your future could be full of McDonald's hamburgers and and apple slices because, you know, trying, and, and a toy, absolutely be full of that if you asked in a kind way. And was it asked in a kind way? No. I'm not gonna back down from the vision of the future that is better for you ultimately. I'm not gonna. Did we get McDonald's? No, we didn't get McDonald's. But 20 minutes later, when we asked, could I have a smoothie, please? In a kind way, got a smoothie. Do you think that was a growing moment? Do you think some things changed? Do you think that learning moment is gonna produce dividends in the future? 100%. And that's a really simple example but it is the truth for all of life. If you cast a vision of a future that's best for others, not for you, because this is the key, this is the hard part. A lot of us have a temptation to cast a vision for someone that really serves us more, that really gives us what we want. No, 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 you're casting a vision which is what's best for others. That's what we talked about last week, right? Power is meant to give life to others, not to ourselves. That's the best use of power, of influence, of leadership, is when it goes for others. If you do that, it will work out best for you, ultimately, too. This is what love requires of us, to help others, to not be selfish, but to be selfless, to give life to others. And we can do that when we share a vision of what is possible for them in their future. And this is why, we talked about it last week. This is why we changed our mission as a church to create space for you, for you to grow your gifts and become a Christ like leader, to become a leader like Christ, to become a leader like we're talking about through the series in the remaining four ish weeks that we have of this series left, to become a leader who uses their power for others, to become a leader who casts a vision of what could be for the benefit of others, not for themselves. And it inspires people to change. Not so that I can make money, but so that you can become rich. You can become rich in here and in here. And, it, and this, this mission of ours, it was really incredible this week, I found out that it's actually working. And you're like, well, Taylor, you kind of came up with it. Shouldn't it be working? Well, I wasn't Sure. But it's working. We had, I said somebody in a meeting this week, and they said, you know what? I'm in a new position. Uh, it's a position that I'm not used to. It's a supervisory position. And I'm able to navigate this, not because of my education or anything I learned in college that, you know, you paid an arm and a leg for. I'm able to be an effective supervisor. In fact, I'm helping the owner to lead the organization even better because of what I've learned at church. Imagine... If the church produced employees who people loved to hire because they lead well, they understand the power of the future, they understand what power really is, do you think that could change an organization? Do you think that could change where you work? Do you think that could change your family? I bet it could. What if it could change an entire country? What if it, this principle could raise up a new generation of strong, kind, loving, generous People. Guess what? That's what you're a part of doing in Haiti. When I talked to Ken, uh, and we'll show a video here in next week, I think, uh, of Meech sitting down with Ken, who, who's in Haiti right now. And he just said, it is so inspiring to the kids when we show up because it gives them a vision of the future that could be, that they otherwise wouldn't have if we weren't a part of their lives, if you weren't a part of your lives. And every day you get to know that your generosity is helping thousands of kids, thousands of miles away, to see a new future. And the cool thing is, They're confident, they're comfortable, and they aspire to a new future because of what you do and because people thousands of miles away care like you care. It's a powerful principle, and yes, it is working and can continue to work. So my hope for you this week and for the weeks to come is that you would share and model a vision of the future that could benefit others and invite them to join. And if that seems intimidating you're unsure how to start, start with Jesus, because he did this incredibly well. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord help us to when we are faced with an opportunity to cast vision and to love others, when we have an opportunity to share a version of the future that could benefit others, not ourselves, could change the trajectory of the future for others, could help grow in them something that produces life. Help us to take it. Give us the wisdom and the words that we need to use to make that possible for them. To step in and support them in a way that helps them to get to that new version of themselves. Because that's why your son came. To, in the face of our sins, in the face of when we get it so wrong, you gave hope. You offer forgiveness. You meet some of our worst moments with your love, your grace, and your truth. Help. So, that is the version and the future that we offer to those people around us. We help them to see that future. Give us the strength to do that. Give us the wisdom to lead like your son did. And in so doing, change the world. In your name I pray, amen.